Hello and welcome to Nick's Knack for Neologisms, episode 17, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. Last episode, we covered dogmatic, harangue, alacrity, and iconoclast. And in this episode, we're covering grandiloquent, tenuous, imperturbable, and decorum. So let's get on with our first word. Our first word is grandiloquent. It's an adjective, and it's spelled G-R-A-N-D-I-L-O-Q-U-E-N-T. My God. G-R-A-N-D-I-L-O-Q-U-E-N-T. Grandiloquent. And it means speaking or expressed in a lofty style, often to the point of being pompous or pretentious. Grandiloquent. Grandiloquent. Speaking or expressed in a lofty style, often to the point of being pompous or pretentious. Mm, That's a good word. Grandiloquent. So we've heard of people who are eloquent, right? They are good at speaking, articulate, forceful, and perhaps persuasive in speech. But someone who is grandiloquent isn't necessarily any of those things. They're simply pompous in speech. So when I think of grandiloquent, I think of the pompous professor giving a lecture about something esoteric that no one could really give two shits about. But because he's a professor and because he's in charge of your grade, you might pretend to care as he's speaking. And if he's grandiloquent, well, we'd expect his body language to reflect it. So while speaking, he might have really good posture. He might lift up his eyebrows more than necessary, and he probably will have his chin tilted towards the sky, right? I think that would that's how grandiloquence would look, at least body language-wise. And for some reason, he's a he. I don't know why, but I can't imagine a woman being grandiloquent. That's probably because more often than not, it's men who happen to be actually grandiloquent. So anyhow, grandiloquent, speaking or expressed in a lofty style, often to the point of being pompous or pretentious, grandiloquent. And remember, to remember this word, we can just think of a mix between sort of eloquence and grand. So someone who is speaking and is grand about it is grandiloquent. The class often looked up at the clock, wondering when their grandiloquent professor would stop talking about the relationship between quantum mechanics and finite mathematics. The judge impatiently interrupted the prosecutor and said, Enough of this grandiloquence. Get to the point already. Just imagine, like, I don't know, a prosecutor, a defense attorney, using a lot of grandiloquence during their uh, final word or whatever. Grandiloquence is often most obvious during Shakespearean plays where the lead actor enjoys the expected right to speak in a pretentious and outdated style. I always think of like Shakespearean plays. I feel like those people are usually pretty grandiloquent. Thespians. Thespians can be grandiloquent sometimes. Anyhow, that is grandiloquent. So let's move on to our next word, which is tenuous. It's an adjective, and it's spelled T-E-N-U-O-U-S. Tenuous. T-E-N-U-O-U-S. And it means thin or slender in form as a thread. Thin or slender in form as a thread. Tenuous. Thin or slender in form. Tenuous. 
And this is one of those neat words where it has a literal and more of a uh, metaphorical definition as well. Okay, it's kind of a cool word. A lot of times the word's concrete definition can be extended metaphorically. So this is why I like tenuous. So take, for example, the word weight, right? Like weight. You might say something like, what's the weight of this fruit? But you could also use weight more metaphorically like, well, I don't think I give a lot of weight to what he said because I don't think it's true. So tenuous also does something like this because it can mean lacking a sound basis, unsubstantiated, weak, or of slight importance or significance. So for instance, the fact that you forgot your pen on the day that you're going to give a public speech would be tenuous. You don't need your pen to speak, right? Or if someone said, you shouldn't drink water because it doesn't taste as good as pop, that would be a tenuous argument. That argument doesn't have a lot of substance to it, right? And more often than not, you'll hear tenuous used metaphorically. People will say things like, eh, I mean, I get what he's saying, but I think it's rather tenuous. So when I personally hear this word, I just, I just often think of flimsy. You know, something without much substance to it. Flimsy and tenuous are certainly synonyms. Flimsy, if something's tenuous, it's just flimsy. It doesn't have a lot of weight to it. It doesn't have a lot of substance to it. It's just tenuous. Pull the string cheese until the middle portion tenuously bends in the air. Right? If you've ever pulled string cheese like right before it rips, it's very tenuous. I know my argument is rather tenuous, but I still feel strongly about it. Look, I agree with you, but you've got to provide something with more substance than this tenuous proposal. Tenuous, T-E-N-U-O-U-S. You know, a good way to remember this word, I think, is just to think of tennis and tenuous or tennis and tenuousness. And think about the long, slim net separating the two players on a tennis court, and that should be enough to key you off to its definition. Just think of that long, tenuous tennis net. I feel like I'm about to have a really bad tongue twister. There's too many T words right now. Tenuous, T-E-N-O-U-S, lacking a sound basis, unsubstantiated, weak, thin, or slender, slender in form. Tenuous. It's a good word. Most of the words we uh, we cover, I almost never use, but tenuous, I do. It's a good word. And a lot of people are familiar with its definition, so it's one of those words that you can use and uh, people won't look at you funny and they won't think that you're being grandiloquent. Ha! Huh. All right. Oh, this is funny, guys. Let's move on to our next word, which is imperturbable. God, this is a, this is, this word's awesome. Imperturbable. It's a fun word to say. You should say it with me because it's actually kind of weird to say it. Imperturbable. It's got that bubble at the end. Imperturbable. Yeah, if you say it a bunch of times, it starts sounding really funny. It's an adjective, and it's spelled I-M-P-E-R-T-U-R-B-A-B-L-E. That's I-M-P-E-R-T-U-R-B-A-B-L-E. Imperturbable. It's definitely phonetic. It's pretty easy to spell, so... And it means incapable of being upset or agitated, not easily excited, calm, imperturbable, incapable of being upset or agitated, not easily excited, calm, imperturbable. Are you imperturbable or do you let life perturb you? 
incapable of being upset or agitated, not easily excited, calm, imperturbable. What are some things that perturb you? So perturb's a word, right? It's in imperturbable. Perturb just means getting you agitated. So if you're imperturbable, you're not capable of being agitated. So what are some things that perturb you? Or are you incapable of being upset or agitated? Now, normally when this word is used, it's used rather loosely, right? Pretty sure all of us are capable of being perturbed, being agitated or upset or whatever. But some of us, more than others, are more easily perturbed, right? And so we wouldn't say they are imperturbable. But you could have something like, I don't know, say like a mountain or something that is imperturbable even as the seasons change. Think of like a mountain. A mountain is a nice example. It never is uh, agitated or it's just always calm. Mountains are calm, right? I think of mountains being calm. Unless well, this is a volcano. I guess a volcano. Is a volcano a mountain? No. I don't know. Are volcanoes mountains? What the hell is a mountain? I don't know. Anyhow. So you might watch a violinist with imperturbable composure perform in front of a large audience. Imperturbable. So one way to remember this word is just to think that the word perturb, right, to agitate or annoy or whatever, rhymes with disturb. And I'd argue that if you are perturbed, you're also disturbed. So someone who is imperturbable is incapable of being disturbed. That is, they remain calm, right? I don't know. Either that's going to help you or it's going to confuse the hell out of you because they sound, because they rhyme, perturbed, disturbed. Oh boy. Anyhow. All right. So after hearing a guilty verdict and being sentenced to life, the defendant remained imperturbably still in his seat. That's a good use of the word imperturb. I came up with that sentence, by the way. I think it's pretty good, right? I mean, like if if I was sitting there and uh, was sitting on a chair and I just heard that I was going to serve a life sentence, I don't think I could remain imperturbable. I'd probably start crying and sweating a lot. I don't know. You guys ever do that when you just imagine yourself going through something really horrific to see how you would respond? It's kind of fun. If you ever get bored, I highly recommend it. You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot about yourself. <laughs> you can learn a lot about yourself by doing something like that. The man shouted at the imperturbable officer who stood who stood motionless with his hand on his gun. I'm having a really hard time speaking. Let me try that sentence again. The man shouted at the imperturbable officer who stood motionless with his hand on his gun. The lake was imperturbable. The slightest move in the canoe created endless waves. Imperturbable. It's a really fun word. Say it out loud. You should just say it out loud. You can whisper it, you know, if you're in public. Or you could just stand up and yell, I'm imperturbable. And, you know, throw your hands to the sky. That'd be kind of cool. Yes. It's actually kind of hard to say. It's almost as nasty as that word we covered a while back. Opprobrium. I don't know if you guys have listened to that one yet, but oh my God, that word is just nasty. Anyhow, let's move on to our last word, which is decorum. It is a noun and it's spelled D-E-C-O-R-U-M. Decorum. D-E-C-O-R-U-M. Decorum. And it means dignified propriety of behavior, speech, dress, etc. Dignified propriety of behavior, speech, dress, etc. So propriety, you know, you think of propriety just means what's proper, right? So someone demonstrating decorum follows established guidelines, whatever the hell those may be, for dress, behavior, manner of speaking, the way they carry themselves, etc. Decorum. So someone who is decorous, 
decorous, decorous is just the adjective of decorum, someone who is decorous, that is demonstrating decorum, is someone who cares about what others think of him. Or at least that's the impression that he wants to leave on others, that he cares about what they think. And so he behaves in a socially acceptable way. He's decorous, or you could say decorous. I like the emphasis on the first syllable, decorous, 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 yeah. And decorum is something that is obviously fleeting, right? It's temporary. It's dependent on culture, and culture is one of those things that changes. So in other words, my whole point to this is someone who is decorous today it may not necessarily be decorous tomorrow. And quite frankly, I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of decorum. Not saying that I don't necessarily practice it myself from time to time. I think all of us are decorous. But I'm not a big fan of it, at least when it comes to putting on a show or a mask or pretense or whatever. I tend to think with decorum, there's a little bit of, I don't know, maybe you could say dishonesty to it. And maybe it's full of a little bit of pretense here and there. I mean, after all, what what does it mean to be, say, dignified? What does it mean to have dignity in speech, behavior, dress, or anything like that? I don't really know. It's not a rhetorical question. I mean, it is kind of rhetorical, but I really don't know. I mean, I think it's at least questionable. And I think for those people who, I guess you could say, are more naturally dignified than dignified than others, it might work. But often I think decorum is just another means of altering yourself such that you fit some sort of status quo. Decorum, decorous. Yes. And so a way we can remember this word, I think, is just to think of the word decorate. At least this is kind of what I do. Hopefully it helps you decorate. Someone who demonstrates decorum decorates themselves according to the status quo. So they're decorating themselves with the status quo or according to whatever is considered proper or dignified by the masses. So you're decorating yourself with those things considered proper by, uh, I don't know, whatever or whomever, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, as a side note... As a side note, I think it's funny when we use the word society and propriety and what's considered right and all of that. Decorum fits in here, right? Because it's actually, it's, I think it's real difficult to put our, our finger on what exactly is proper and who exactly determines what is proper, right? We usually lump it all together in a word like society or this is what society says is proper. But what the hell does that actually mean, really? I mean, what what is what is society? As I tell you, society, society is one of those loose words people throw around all the time without really giving it any proper definition. But we like to use it, right, because of its vagueness. And the more vague a word is, the more loose its application. But if you think about society, I mean, okay, I guess if we were to try to define it, you say, well, what composes society? It's just society is just an aggregation of individuals. And if decorum is dependent on what society thinks, then we break down society and say, well, decorum is dependent on what the aggregate of individuals think. Well, what the hell does that mean? Because surely there's not, there's no such thing as group think, right? I have my own opinions and beliefs and you have your own opinions and beliefs. We are two individuals. And I suppose if you put enough of us together, we compose a society, but that doesn't mean we all have the same individualized thought 
right? And so it's weird when people say, oh, well, society's expectations are society this, society that. And I think that society truly is a non sequitur. It's one of those words that's full of equivocation. I mean, really, what the hell is society? Anyhow, you guys, why, why are we talking about this? You guys have gotten me off on a tangent here. I could go on, but I'm not going to. All right. Without any sense of decorum, the prime minister farted at the table. I suppose farting might be one of those things that is historically always out of the scope of decorum. You know, I don't think I don't think farting has ever been like a necessarily a cool thing to do. It's funny, but I don't know if it's part of decorum. With an apologetic air and decorum of a prince, the man asked for forgiveness for his sins. What I remember distinctly about this woman was her sense of decorum. She was always polite, attentive, and respectful of my time. Decorum. D-E-C-O-R-U-M. Decorum. All right. That sums it up for our four words. Let's do a quick review, shall we? I feel like it's time for a review. So here are the four words. Grandiloquent, tenuous, imperturbable, and decorum. And speaking of decorum, like throughout this uh, podcast, I've had the urge to burp, but it hasn't come. And so it's really annoying. I think that would be going against all signs of decorum if I were to just burp on the podcast and not edit it out. And if I could burp right now, I would, but it's not coming. So, all right. Anyhow, let's go back to our words. So grandiloquent, tenuous, imperturbable, and decorum. So let's review them. We're going to try to remember the mnemonics for each word. I'm going to say the word, and then you're going to remember how we remembered them, and that's going to key you into the definition. So grandiloquent, grandiloquent. Do we remember this one? How do we remember it? Grandiloquent, right? It's kind of like someone who's eloquent, but they're not. They're just grand in speaking. Someone who shows a lot of pretense in their speech or the way they carry themselves, grandiloquent. We talked about the grandiloquent professor. Oh, yes, grandiloquence, my friend. I wish I could do a really good uh, English or Irish accent. I feel like that'd be good for grandiloquence. Yes, my friends. All right, tenuous. Tenuous. Do we remember the mnemonic for tenuous? Tenuous. Tenuous. Just think about tennis. Tennis. The tenuous tennis net. Yes, good. Bueno. Bien hecho. Tenuous. So the tenuous tennis net. Long, flimsy. Right. Just think of flimsy, tenuous. The tennis net is flimsy. Something that lacks substance. Man, God, that is so, so tenuous. I can't believe they would say that. Where's their substance? Where's the evidence for that? It's so tenuous. Sweet. All right. Next word is imperturbable. Imperturbable. I'm actually having a hard time remembering what our mnemonic was for this. Huh. That means I didn't do a good job with the mnemonic. Imperturbable. Maybe you can remember, though. Imperturbable. Someone who is imperturbable. What things perturb you, my friend? Imperturbable. Sweet. I think, oh, now I remember. Perturb, yes. Remember? Perturb. Eh, perturb rhymes with disturb. You probably remembered. I think I was just having a brain fart there. Imperturbable. So someone who is imperturbable is incapable of being disturbed. The imperturbable mountain. The imperturbable man in his seat when the guilty verdict was read. He's imperturbable. Cannot be agitated. All right. Lastly, we have 
Decorum. Decorum. See if you remember the mnemonic for this one. Decorum. We talked about, what did we talk about? Decorum. And decorating ourselves. Decorating ourselves with decorum. Decorum. It's like, what is proper, right? Decorum. Decorating ourselves so that we can go out in public and be the decorous individual that we are, the outstanding and upstanding citizen that we are, the person who follows all rules and guidelines to a T, the person who makes no mistake, talks in an eloquent manner, is dignified in dress and appearance. Decorum. He's decorous, my friends. Yes, he's quite decorous. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry to any of my uh <laughs> any of my British li- uh listeners out there. You guys probably freaking hate me now. I have this Russian neighbor and I like to do I like to do the Russian accent and apparently he says that I sound retarded when I do it. And everyone else who's an American says that my Russian accent is pretty good, but to a true native speaker, I'm sure I sound pretty bad. All right, you guys. This has been a fun podcast. Those were four solid words. If you haven't already, you should leave me a review on iTunes, even if it's like a castigating review. I was trying to think of like some other big word, but I couldn't. But I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Hence the silence. Even if it's insulting, leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing on iTunes. If you feel like donating, you can do that as well. I accept donations as small as a penny. You go to nicksnackforneologisms.com, my website, and click the donate button. Otherwise. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Ciao.